Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 277. Yeah. That was a pretty big, like, welcome. Yeah, I just, I wanted to, I mean, I was excited, man. You're ready to go? Get into this. (laughs) Yeah. What are we talking about today? So, you know, sourcing has changed a lot. And I think this year, I know we just had a whole episode where we talked about, you know, reselling making it harder in 2022. And I, you know, there's, there was feedback, you know, a lot of it, a lot of people are saying we're killing it. Other people are like, yeah, it's been slow. And so kind of the same idea here, it all depends on where you're located when it comes to sourcing, right? Just like eBay, you know, you might say my sales are slow and somebody else will say, I'm killing it, right? We may say our thrift stores are terrible. You might say my thrift stores are amazing. We might say garage sales are incredible. You might say like, what? I never go to garage sales. It's always junk, right? So in this episode, there may be some things that apply to you and there may be some things that don't apply to you. So hopefully we bring you value and you catch on something and go, you know what? I haven't thought about that. So yeah. And let us know down below. Uh, So today we're talking about some different sourcing in, in 2022 ways we're planning on sourcing benefits of each type. And so let us know below, how do you source? Uh, What are your plans for sourcing in 2022? Uh, Where have you been most successful? What's the worst sourcing you've ever done? I don't know. Let us know. Give us a good story in the comments below. Uh, And if you're not, if you're just listening to us on the podcast, thank you for listening to us. Uh, But head on over to our YouTube because we have additional stuff that we put out there. Uh, So make sure to like, subscribe, hit that bell notification, and then drop comments below because we'd love to uh, interact with you. And one more thing before we get started, as many of you know, you've been uh, following us on Buy Me a Coffee and supporting us through that. And we ended our, uh, I guess, our relationship. It was a breakup. Yeah, it was a it was a nasty breakup. It was brutal. Um, you know, they changed their payment method, and it it caused us all of the people who we lost sponsors, everybody. Yeah, they it's and it, it's not because they left, but they just didn't read their spam email because I think those those emails went into the spam probably of like you need to change your payment. So anybody who didn't change their payment method with uh, buy me a coffee, they got like removed from it. So uh, we are now over on Patreon. And as always, we don't hide any content behind paywalls, uh, but it's just a cool way for you to support us to say thank you for the content that we do put out. Uh, And then in the future, we are planning on attaching some extra things. I don't know, maybe discounts for merch. Uh, We do our, we used to do our our coffee Zoom uh, day, uh, but we might do some, some, still do our Zooms with our our supporters, just a way to kind of interact, do little meetups as it were, uh, virtual meetups. So we'd love to have you support us. If you were a supporter already on Buy Me a Coffee, uh, we'd love for you to come over and jump in and join Chip uh, on the uh, the Patreon. Yeah, so go over to patreon.com slash podcast, or you could go to the link below. Thank you to all of you that have already made the shift from Buy Me a Coffee to Patreon. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, <laughs> the more we see it, the more we're like, okay, uh, we're actually going to be able to keep moving forward. So uh, we thank you to all of you that just got on that right away. And if you have any chance, I would say even while you're listening to us, just jump on over uh, patreon.com slash podcast and just sign up for one of the tiers. And we appreciate yeah. all your support. Yeah, hit the pause button. Hit the pause button now. And uh, and do that now before you forget, because you will forget. If you're like me, you're going to forget. A hundred percent. How many times have I been like, you know, I'm going to sign up for that and then I'll do it later and then it never happens. That's right. right. So, all right, let's talk about sourcing in 2022. Okay. So three major ones I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk today about thrift stores, garage sales and local deals. Uh, and thrift stores have changed a lot. Now, if you've been watching us for like the last, I don't know, four years now, uh, you know, we've, I don't think we've ever had favorable things to say about thrift stores, right? I don't know. I mean, here's the hard part. It's a love hate relationship. Thrift stores. It was a good way for me to get started. Uh, you're able to to get into them pretty easily. They're always open, so it's a low barrier of entry. So that's a good thing about thrift stores. And we've always we've got our favorites. Uh, we've had some some frustrating uh, thrift stores around us, like the store that should not be named <coughs> Goodwill. Um, and again, if you before you start hating us or, or giving us any shade because we uh, we 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 said something negative about Goodwill, we've got a long history of why we we support. All of our local thrift stores, we think that they do good work, but we also have there's some negative aspects to them. And one of the big negative aspects of Goodwill is the pricing has gotten outrageous. Uh, they're they're starting to move more and more of their higher quality inventory online. Uh, so it's, it is a challenging place. But we, I, I definitely say probably if we were to go back and listen to a lot of our hustles of the weeks and our bolos have come from thrift stores. So I would say the early days, the early I would probably the last two years. I don't, I don't know how many, you know, like today you're going to mention one, but it wasn't something you picked up in a, at a, you know, the store that should not be chain. And same with me, my, I, my house of the week actually does come from a thrift store. So 
items can still be found at thrift stores that can still make you a ton of profit. And if you're brand new to reselling, right, the easiest place to go is to the thrift, right? Because it's not like, you know, having to look and find out where a garage sale is or a church rummage sale or having to do an auction or any of those. You know, you just go and you type in thrift store into Google or Yelp or whatever you use. And right away, you're going to see a thrift store. You find their hours and you just go over there. So thrift stores are still you know, a viable option depending on where you're located. Mike and I go maybe once a week at the most. Even that uh, has not happened really that much anymore uh, because we found alternative ways to source and we'll talk about that. Uh, and by the way, we're not talking about all the ways to source. I want to make sure you guys know there's retail arbitrage. There's, you know, pallets that you can pick up. I, there, there's so many options. So we're just focusing on what we're doing on a daily basis, right? Because our podcast is more about documenting. And I don't want to come across like we're a course, right? Because we're a course, we probably would charge, but we don't sell courses. So, uh, so understand there's going to be high competition if you're brand new to reselling when you go to thrift stores. Cause like Mike said, is the easiest place to go, right? Because it, it's easy access right now. How do you get over that hurdle? Right. All that competition. I would say one of the ways is if you go to the non chain ones right now, I would say, you know, Salvation Army for us is still pretty good here, right? Depends which ones you go to, right? There's that one really bad one. Like you just feel gross inside of it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. But then there's that other one that isn't so bad, right? And so those are still good. But I would say the non-chain ones, you have a better chance. And the reason I think you have a better chance is like Mike had discussed earlier, like a lot of the chain ones have gone online. And so, and they've gone online for a long time. The story of Shelby not being has been going online since I think like 2005, right? So that, that's not a mystery. But, you know, the, the mom and pop stores, the, the ones that are maybe they have a chain, but it's only in your city. It's not nationwide. Uh, those tend to not go online. And so you're able to go in there and you're able to get uh, items that, you know, sometimes aren't researched. Sometimes they're just trying to move stuff. A lot of these, you know, local thrift stores are people that buy storage units and they pretty much put everything that they find the storage unit in the thrift store. Uh, one of uh, the famous, uh, um, you know, storage wars people actually own one in, in, in Poway that is nearby. And so they get a lot of their stuff from a storage unit. So obviously the high end, high end stuff that he picks up, uh, he ends up putting, you know, online, but you know, there's always good stuff to find at those local ones. Do you, do you agree with this or do you think, you know, the chain ones are still good? Yeah. I mean, it, it's the hard part is, you're always I feel like you're always going to be able to go in and get profitable items, even if stores are going to be overpriced. Uh, so most even if we go to the store that should not be named, we go to stores where, you know, we used to get home runs and maybe we're only finding items where you're getting 10, 15, 20 bucks profit, maybe only two or three of those in a thrift store. Sometimes you go and you don't really at least find for anything. us. Right. Right. So uh, you're if, if you're at a place where you just need inventory, you can go to any thrift store and if you've got knowledge, I'm going to say knowledge because you talked about how you set yourself apart from the competition. Knowledge is going to be key. So if you've mm -hmm. got the knowledge in, in various categories and niches, you are going to be able to do well, even at an overpriced store because Agreed. they're Agreed. going to have weaknesses. We talk a lot in the past about finding the weaknesses at stores. Mm -hmm. Some stores, it's the shoes. Some stores, it's you know pants. Like my wife would, would go to one Goodwill uh, on her lunch break and for whatever reason, they didn't know how to price women's pants. And and then after after a couple of months, they must have had a change of employee or something and the prices went up to what they should have been. So yeah, you just got to know the weaknesses at, at different stores. Uh, but if you've got the knowledge, you're going to do fine. But I think you're right. I think that the mom and pop stores, I mean, there's one store that I've gone to several times. It's cash only, right? Because it's, and it's a real small local one. And it's probably the size of, I don't know, a couple of bedrooms. Like it's, it's like an old house that somebody converted into a thrift store. And I sometimes do really well there, you know, because they're getting their stuff donated to them. They're trying to get rid of it. They're trying to do their 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 ministry that they're doing. And so they're not as concerned about, hey, we want to make as much money as we could possibly make. And they're not running an online system and they don't have 100 employees in the back, you know, going over things. They're just like, we got this for free. We're going to put a price tag on it. All of our jeans cost $2 or all of our sweaters cost $4 or whatever it is. They're not necessarily trying to research each individual item. So yeah, the mom and pop stores can definitely be wins for you. Now I will say a way to beat the nationwide chains is to be consistent when going. What I mean is, you know, on a weekly basis, uh, some people go on a daily basis. Actually, there was a store I used to go to a store that should not be named. And I used to go every day, every day. And it was around the same time. It was around three o'clock. And so I knew exactly what was there. And so when new items showed up, 
you know, I, I saw the gaps and I picked up those deals right away. And then the employees got to know me. And so as the employees got to know me, they knew what I was looking for or they knew that I'd be there at 3 p.m. And so they would set stuff aside and they're like, hey, Orlando, when you were coming in, there's some stuff that just came in. Uh, we know you buy here all the time. We're willing to make you a deal. Now, it doesn't happen all the time and it doesn't happen to everybody. But I do find that one of the best ways to deal with nationwide chains is like, you may knowledge may be something that you're still trying to work on you're brand new but if you're there consistently you're able to see the gaps you're able to see the things that they're missing and as always and i'll share this over and over again whether it be garage sales whether it be you know local deals whether it be networking is getting to know people getting to understand you know uh you know how employees function and you know just just basically being friendly at these stores will go a long way that, you know, for example, there are certain chains that they're not willing to negotiate on prices, right? That's their standard policy. But if you get to know some managers, they're like, Hey, I have to make a, a number at the end of the day and they will make a deal with you because they know that you're a big purchaser, that you'll be back and you'll buy some more. And they're, they're willing to kind of, you know, move around that policy and make those deals with you. And so uh, don't be afraid to get out there, get out of your comfort zone and get to know uh, some of the employees. Now, <clears throat> I will say this is one that Mike and I personally don't do because here it's it's savage if you go. But we know a lot of people up in the L.A. area, up in, you know, the, the south and, and wherever you're at, uh, that the bins at the thrift stores are their winners. Right. They, I mean, it does take a lot of work. Like you get to get out there early. Some places you got to line up for us. It's a lottery. So you show up early. It doesn't matter how early you get. You get a ticket number. And if they call your number, then you get a bin and you can't even share. bin. it's just it's, it's crazy. It's not worth it to us. But other people, they don't have the lottery system. As long as they get there early, they get a bin. And there's maybe it's not crowded at times. Uh, they get to pay by the pound. I, we've never had pay the pound as far as I know. And in the last five years that I've been uh, full time. And so bins are definitely an option because you can get things, you know, pennies on the dollar that could sell, you know, anywhere from 20 to 30 to 50 to hundred dollars. So if you haven't checked out bins, definitely encourage you to do so in your region. Um, you know, Mike and I, I, I went out there and I was the, you know, the guinea pig and, and decided to check it out and yeah, yeah, not doing it. Yeah. I mean, I know another person, uh, there's a, a lady who goes to my church. Uh, she sells on, I think pretty much Poshmark is, is the main way, maybe okay, a couple okay, of other okay. things. And she does the bins on a regular basis and is successful there here. Does she do the ones down south? Uh -huh. yep, yep, okay, okay. Yep. So um, it, it's it's going to depend on your your style, how you sell, how you you do things. And, and for us, we have just found other ways. But uh, yeah, I mean, let us know in the comments below. Have you been successful at bins? Have you tried you know Goodwill bins before? Have they been good for you? Uh, or have your has your experience kind of aligned with ours where it's uh, maybe not worth the effort or maybe it's just a saturated market and there's too many resellers there and it just doesn't work? Yeah, so that's one good way. All right, hey, before we move on, uh, let's talk about one of our sponsors, AmericanBowboy.com. They've been great. I actually have yeah. to put in an order. I, I, I'm just left with that last piece of cardboard, and so it's not that's, good. That's a good thing. That means you're selling, and if you're selling a lot of stuff, uh, if you're if you're shipping things out, you're gonna want some good quality bubble wrap at a decent price coming to you quickly and that's what american bubble boy can deliver so yeah so go american boy.com uh go to the link below if you're a first time buyer i want to clarify first time i think the deal only goes the first time mm. uh you can use a promo code uh pure so podcast and you'll be able to get a discount uh but if you're a repeat buyer always appreciate it if you go through the link because it helps us out it's one of our affiliate links uh and keeps the lights on for us so american boy.com uh just go below to one of our links all right now this is i would say it's my favorite way to source. Yeah. We could talk about garage sales all day. All day. <laughs> we could do, whole, we actually have full episodes, but we got to keep it short. We're trying to give people options this time, but it garage sales are different in 2022. Yeah. I haven't gone to one yet this year. So. Okay. So I have gone and it was the first time I went in three months. Mm. And the uh, reason I haven't gone in three months is because I've been doing, Q4. I was in, yeah, Q4, I was doing a lot of Amazon retail arbitrage. And I, I got to tell you, you know, uh, it's just it's more popular, right? It just keeps getting more popular. And I'm finding out there's a lot more competition now. In 2022, to be successful at garage sales, you have to do the research before you go. I think it's very hard to just get up in the morning and go, hey, I'm just going to go to that those couple of garage sales that I saw along the way. Right? I remember back in the day, it was like that. Like I remember back in the day, you could get up in the morning 
call your buddy up. Hey, let's go. I remember doing this with my buddy, uh, Kyle and Mike. We, we, I call him up. I'm like, Hey, let's just go garage those. And like, Oh, I think there's one over here. So we just go over there. And, and I wasn't recently at the time, but you would find nice stuff. Right. And that was, I don't know, six years ago now. Yeah. Things have changed. Yeah. I mean, you definitely got to plan out your route and we have full episodes. Uh, if you're, if you're a new listener and you haven't kind of listened to some of those episodes, just, uh, YouTube, uh, go to YouTube. I mean, you could probably just search through our, if you're listening on the podcast too, but if you decide to podcast garage sales, uh, you'll find full, we got full episodes where we talk about strategies for negotiating at garage sales. We talk about plant, like how to plan out routes, all of those things. Uh, but, but yeah, you definitely want to, to plan your routes and you kind of want to go with an understanding of the types of items you're looking for. And again, it's, it's all about experience. I go now and I don't have like a specific item I'm looking for mm-hmm. because I've learned enough niches. But if you're just kind of getting started, uh, learn a few things to look at or just go and say like, I'm going to go and I'm just going to research everything, spend some time. But as you get better at it, you're going to spend less and less time at each garage sale. You're going to move through them quickly and you're going to be able to spot the uh, the profitable items. And it's like anything. I mean, I even remember when I didn't know clothing brands, it was it kind of just you, you kind of knew quality when you saw quality. Oh, yeah. You know, and so it's like, oh, these shoes are definitely, or these, this shirt, or this whatever. You still jacket. look it up if you don't know. Yeah, but yeah. it feels like more quality, so I'm going to look this one up instead of something else that looks feels flimsy. And and eventually you start to learn. And the same thing if you go to a garage sale and you see a bunch of junk. Now it could be that in that pile of junk toys, there's like a super rare, you know, collectible item that's worth ten Teeny million dollars. You know, yeah. you, you never know. But usually you can kind of say like that looks like it's junk, that looks like it's not. Uh, but the more you research, the more you do things. Garage sales are definitely a great place because people are, you, you have two things working for you. One, uh, I remember I was at a thrift store. I took my buddy one time to a thrift store and I was trying to get him into reselling. And there was somebody there who saw we were buying like a bunch of VCRs and stuff. And she goes, are you guys trying to resell this stuff? And we're like, yeah. She's like, you guys shouldn't do thrift stores. You should go to garage sales because people give stuff away to thrift stores that they think is junk and they sell the stuff that they know is valuable at garage sales. Yeah. And I was like, there's a little bit of truth there, right? Like people, if they're they're putting out a garage sale, you know, if it's something they, they may end up deciding just to donate it to the thrift store if it doesn't sell. But if they're donating the stuff that doesn't sell, it's probably the stuff that isn't po- profitable. So the first line of of getting good stuff is going to be at garage sales because people think, hey, maybe this is worth something. But then they're also motivated to sell. Usually somebody isn't going to put it out on the curb or out in, in their driveway unless they're hoping that they're not going to have to bring it back into their house. Right. So whether their end goal is we're going to throw it away, we're going to call the Salvation Army, and they're going to pick up whatever's left or I'm just going to keep making my prices lower and lower as the day goes. People are motivated to sell at garage sales, which is very helpful. Yeah. And, and one of the ways you could research, I mean, a lot of people ask us, there used to be this app called yard sale treasure map, which is no more. Uh, you can just go to Craigslist, you know, look for uh, garage sales in your area. I usually put in community or neighborhood and I like those because you can get to a lot of garage sales if you find a lot of them. Uh, but you know, I would say one of the tips, one thing they need to get back to is being early. Mm being early i shared this last uh, weekend i was gonna make a youtube video but i said not to because i knew it was gonna be a fail and so uh but uh i'm glad i didn't because uh so for example there's guy was selling harley davidson shirts and i thought oh you know he it started at 9 a.m mm. right so i'm thinking if this guy started at 9 a.m he said he's gonna be bringing stuff throughout the day and he said no early words so uh, a little rusty a little rusty and so I was like, all right, um, I'm going to get there like right at nine, right, right when things open. And so I showed up right at nine and I'm like, hey, you know, your ad said there's Harley Davidson shirts. And and he said, uh, yeah, um, I already sold them. I'm like, oh, and I and I asked a question I shouldn't have asked. I asked, well, how many did you sell? He's like, oh, I sold 20 of them. It just it just hurt. Yeah. One of the things if you're new to going to garage sales, it's you're going to see no early birds. Garage sale starts at eight. Nine times out of ten, if you get there at seven fifty, most of the good stuff's already sold. Yeah. People start selling early. At least here in San Diego, yeah, you've got it. Even if they say no early birds, I tried. I still have a hard time because I'm like, I don't want to like bug them. And and occasionally, I I have gone to garage sales where they're like, we're still setting up. We don't open until eight, and it's like, all right. So you either stand there and wait if you kind of look and see if things are worthwhile, or you move on to the next one. Uh, but yeah, you do you do need to be there early, and so. Yeah, you are rusty. You forgot you got to be early. I, I, no, I was like, oh, I'm going to respect this guy. And then after I was like, what was I doing? Because how many times have I gone where it says no early birds? And I'm there like half an hour early because I know there's going to be good stuff there. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, that it, see, it still bothers me. So that was, that was a few days ago. So, all right. Also, listen, if the ROI is there, you need to buy immediately. And th- this is what I mean. So sometimes you'll go to a garage sale and you'll you'll see an item and. 
you know, you, you had a certain price in mind. And so you haggle with the, the individual and, and you don't get the price you want, but you know, it's a nice ROI. So you're like, Hey, may, you know, if it's there at the end of the day, maybe I'll come back and I'll pick it up. And nine times out of 10, it's going to be gone. Or literally within a couple minutes, another reseller will see that item and they'll scoop it. So the deal's there. You got to take it. Yeah. So basically what Orlando is saying is don't get locked into the uh, a certain price. Uh, so for instance, and I'm just using low numbers here, you want to pick something up for $5. They're stuck at 10 but you know you can sell this thing for 35 or 40 don't don't get stuck at the well i'm just going to walk away if 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 it's enough of an roi and that's why you should kind of already have in your mind like how much what's the roi you're willing to take is it is it double is it triple is it somewhere along you know once you know that number then then you kind of know what you're looking at and yeah it's great if you can you know get everything for a dollar each sometimes that happens right you bundle a bunch of stuff and they're like i don't know 10 bucks for that whole big old stack of stuff you have right there that's great when that happens but if they're if they say no not ten dollars thirty dollars but you know you're still going to triple or quadruple or ten times your money on it don't get stuck on the the haggling too hard don't walk away from it i mean obviously negotiate go back to our videos where we talk about negotiating there's a lot of tips you can use to really get that number down and it's not that you're trying to uh to to rob them of you know they're not going to make the deal unless they're happy with it too agreed right yeah. but but ultimately you're going to make money when you make the purchase when you when when you buy it you're you're setting yourself up for how much money you're ultimately going to be able to make when it sells so uh, make sure that you're getting the best price you can but don't walk away from a deal uh, because the ROI is there but you didn't get the price you were hoping to get so do that and then the other that kind of goes the other thing is um, be willing to bundle stuff together this is one of the most important tips and tool, uh, tricks that you can use if you see one item you like um, and and i have no problem especially if it's like this is the profitable item it's the first thing i see i like it i'm like you know how much for this and they might say uh 15 for that you know jacket okay sweet i know i could sell this thing for 80 bucks that's a good deal then i start looking around i start bundling some other stuff together and then you ask how much for all of this because then when you do that, you can typically get the price down, that that total price, because you're buying a lot of stuff. And remember, at a garage sale, people want stuff to go. So if somebody's willing to come, I mean, if you're willing to come and say, how much for everything, you might even be able to get a better deal because people want stuff gone. They don't want to stand out in the heat or the cold all day long. So bundling is a, is a very powerful tip for you. Plus, it allows you to throw in some stuff and you can do some other negotiating stuff with it. And you'd be surprised you bundle some stuff together and they say... I don't know, $40 for the whole bundle. And then you take out the least profitable item in that bunch or the hardest thing it's going to be to sell. And you say, what if I take this out? That might lower the price enough that you actually do better, right? So there's a lot of good reasons to bundle, uh, but we willing to bundle some things together, be willing to buy a lot of stuff. And uh, you you will not be disappointed at garage sales unless, you know, occasionally you're going to have bad days. But for the most part, I would say 80% of the time, you're going to walk away with some kind of profit going to garage sales. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And again, Walking away is a negotiation tactic, but that's for another time. But, you know, you want to say, I don't know if there's any better ROI outside of the bins than garage sales. Right. Most of us, if you follow us on Instagram, uh, most of the stuff that we make incredible money on are garage sales. Mm -hmm. All right. So speaking of social media, if you haven't been following us yet on uh, social media, we are Pierce Podcast on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and TikTok. We are Pierce Cast on Twitter. Uh, you can always give us a call, uh, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Or you can shoot us an email, Podcast at gmail.com. That's Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, if you're listening to us on the podcast, jump on over to that YouTube, hit that subscribe button, uh, smash that like button, and click that bell notification uh, just so you're notified whenever we drop uh, new content. And our iTunes reviews are always helpful in case you're wondering what I mean. If you go to iTunes and and you, look, you go to our podcast and you write a review, it always helps us out in the algorithm, you know, pushes us higher in the search. And, and so it makes us feel good, right? And it makes it us, makes us yeah. feel good to see those stars. And especially when people write nice things, that's always uh, uh, that's the icing on the cake. Yeah. So, you know, people have been back at it and writing. So, you know, nice. people kind of took a lull. So just want to read the last couple because these are always encouraging. Uh, our goal is where are we at right now? 537. We want to get to 600. Wait, what number did you just say? You I, just know, I know. I knew I did. <laughs> 537. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So my goal is to get to 600. Our goal is to get to 6 million. Help six us get Six million. There. All right. So I had somebody here say, uh, this is from, uh, this is Jules 16 said, great information, full-time reseller. And these guys always have the best advice and topics. Oh, thank you. You know, when I read that though, that meant a lot to me. And the reason is 
if you're a full-time reseller, I would say most full-time resellers know more than most YouTube influencers out there or people that do reselling podcasts. I, I would say probably more than 90%. Because when you've been reselling for a while, like in the beginnings, right, you're like watching all these YouTubers. You're like, wow, that's so awesome. Like, wow, they found this, they found that. And after a while, you're like, oh, yeah, I've picked that up. Oh, yeah, I've picked that up. Oh, yeah, I've done this and that and that. So... I'm pretty sure we have a lot of experience and let us know in the comments. Like, you know, if you're an experienced reseller, uh, you know, do you, st <laughs> what do you find valuable about the podcast? I'd like to know. Right. Because I, I honestly, like I, there are a few that I listen to, but it, the number gets smaller and smaller because, you know, what you find out after a while is most people that are on YouTube and so on, they're not like full-time resellers they're full-time YouTubers who resell. And so when I hear from a full-time reseller that they enjoy the podcast, it says a lot to me. So I really appreciate that. Uh, got another one here uh, from, this is from Thrifty Pit. Uh, I said, so great. You guys are so awesome. I anxiously await your new podcast episodes. Thank you for all the insight that you offer. So yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, in case you're wondering, I get a lot of people that ask me like, Orlando, are you guys drop an episode on Wednesdays. I always get this because people, uh, you know, our real ones from back in the day, we used to drop them, I think at midnight mm. and then we shifted and it's two in the afternoon Pacific standard time when we drop our podcast on Wednesday. So look for it in the afternoon. Uh, cause I always get DMS like Orlando, are you guys not, you know, uh, dropping uh, recently, we kind of had to push one uh, our Monday mini sales back just because hey, we got a lot going on. And, you know, it's that time where, you know, people have to uh, take, you know, time off for things and stuff like that. So, <laughs> so it's been kind of interesting, but we're still making it happen. So thank you all for your support. Yeah. All right. It is time for. Our Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah. Hustles of the week. We got some good ones here. All right. Our first one comes from Melissa. IG handle at Melissa04. There's an O before the zero. That's my fault. So it's O0410. Yep. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Melissa. No, so, she's, she's, she's been a loyal supporter. One of the one of our first Patreon signups. Too. Nice. Nice. All right. So doing uh, two quick ones. We're going to do two because I failed. I dropped the ball. So. All I right. thought I'd share two over. All right, here we go. Uh, so husband was going through Craigslist and came across a 12,000 piece puzzle. That's a, that's a big puzzle. That's, that a, that's going to take you a long time. That's, that's, a, that's a lot of pieces. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if I have the patience. Uh, it was an open box, but everything was sealed inside. I was going to say, because if it was an open box, 12,000 pieces, I'm not checking. <laughs> I'm not counting them. <laughs> you know, because I mean, imagine if you did and you like get to like 9,037. Oh, wait. Was this 37 or was this 36? No way, no way. You know, that would be awful. But anyways, so everything was sealed inside. Uh, even the puzzle cement. Nice. Sold on eBay to someone in Norway with a 10% eBay coupon. So it was a Ravensburger 12,000 piece, 1985. Uh, That's not a typo, by the way. Now Schwatzen Royal Castle Puzzle. I probably... Uh, Butchered that, but that's okay. Uh, for $94. No, 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 not, not for $94. That's plus $94. Oh, did I not put... I didn't put the price limit. Let me get back to you, Mike. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> See, this is what happened. This, this is why we can't have nice things. Okay. It, <laughs> all, right. all right. So, they paid $95 for, $94 for the shipping. And how, this is how much it sold for. Okay. All right. So, this sold for $449.99. And they paid $94 shipping. And the nice thing is this went international. We always talk about international stuff. Uh, they, they're willing to pay up, you know, if it's a good thing. Man, I'm going to be on the lookout for big puzzles. I wonder if it's because, I mean, it's an older puzzle, 1985, 12,000 pieces. That's pretty uncommon. You know, you, you see like 1,000 pieces. How piece, big is that? Is that like a wall? Piece. Man, that's big. Um, that's, that's amazing. Uh, so also picked up some free washing machine parts on Craigslist and sold a Maytag circuit board for 150 plus shipping. And that's such a, I know some people in those kind of markets where they just do like, they part out things, they, you know, mm -hmm. old, old, you know, equipment of different types. They, they take out pieces and sell it. Uh, what a, what a great niche to be in, especially if you're kind of handy, you're good with that kind of stuff. And that's even worthwhile to look at things that you have. You, you might have a refrigerator go out or a washing machine or something like that. Uh, there might be parts in there that are valuable. You know, it could be like a motor piece or it could be like a like a circuit board or something like this. So, Melissa, that is a uh, that is an incredible. Geez, four hundred and fifty dollars for a puzzle. Man, that is awesome. I know it's and I sell a lot of puzzles. I've never sold one. That I've big. never sold one for that much or ever seen that big one. or that high, high of a price. So uh, good job, Melissa. Killing it. <laughs> you go. Killing Thank it. You. Thank you for your support. 
All right. This comes from a friend of the podcast here, uh, Wayne, IG handle K-Way Shop. Uh, and this is kind of an interesting hustle of the week. I, I just, you know, we always share like our major like scores, right? And, and how we do it. And uh, Wayne's been listening for a long time. So two months ago, uh, he worked out a deal for a huge haul of holiday department 56 items. Now he had been working this deal for like two years. I think he'd been, you know, he kept offering and offering and the person wasn't willing to go with the price and eventually, you know, contacted him. And again, persistent pays, right? Dropping off. We'll talk about this later. Dropping off your business card, you know, pays the $50 you pay on a gift on a business card. You will make that money within the first haul that you get. Okay. All right. And so Wayne ended up picking up a bunch of items. So, so for example, one of his recent things that he sold, uh, he sold for $539.99. It was a Department 56 Snow Village, the Clown House of Terror, Screamville. Ooh. That sounds intense. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a Department 56. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's actually got I, dark. Well, the part that it's Snow Village, <laughs> right? It's like, what? Screamville. That's like a, what was that, that crazy cheesy horror movie? I don't watch like that kind of, those kind of movies typically, but there was like a, was it Krampus or something like, you know, like a scary Santa Claus? Like, isn't it something like that? Like, don't they have like yeah, scary Santa yeah, Claus? Yeah. I, I have watched that one. So I'm wondering terrible. if that's kind of what it is. Like if somebody's like, I've got my village, but then like the husband or the wife, one of them is like, yeah, but you know what it needs? Death and murder. And so they added that to the department 56. It's like a leprechaun in space. Anyways. <laughs> All right. All right. So, so that's just one of the many sales. So he dropped $6,000 on that haul and he's has sold over $14,000 in profit in two months. Okay. And so by the way, he just started a new YouTube channel. We always like uh, supporting, you know, I, I like supporting uh, in new up and coming YouTube resellers uh, who are real deal resellers. So uh, K way shop, uh, just, you know, K-Y-W-A-Y shop. Uh, I just dropped a few YouTube videos. Actually, has one of our shirts in one of the videos. Nice. Appreciate that. If you haven't purchased a shirt, you can always go uh, to our link tree. Or actually, I think there's a link below to purchase one of our shirts. They're still around. And if we can get to, to 10,000 on YouTube, we're going to be able to start selling merchandise on YouTube. So we've got some designs in the hopper. Uh, we're just waiting until until uh, we know there's going to be a market for it. So if you haven't, if you're again, if you're listening on the podcast and you haven't come over and subscribed yet, subscribe so that way we can get that merch out to you guys. There you go. So, anyways, uh, you know, here's what I'll say about Wayne. So Wayne went from part time when he first started listening to the podcast, and this last year he's he actually worked for the post office and he went full time because of reselling, wow. paid off their cars. Uh, I think the last thing they, they're debt free. I think the last thing they have to pay off is their house. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's a full time reseller. And and here's what I'll say again. I, and I'm not trying to throw shade at anyone, but you know, you and maybe one day we'll be in this place too. But you you know, there's a certain place when you're doing YouTube and you're doing podcasts where you are like you're you're big enough that you don't need the reselling income, right? And so. Usually at that stage, those resellers, sometimes they just go to the thrift store just to make a video or they just go to the garage store to make a video and so on. And so they're not in the day in and day out. And so they might have good tips, but they're not like on the ground, you know, in the trenches tips that are like practical every day. Yeah. So what you're saying is this: sometimes it's the smaller creators that actually have the most relevant content. Oh, I agree. Like I, you know, and, and there's some still from back in the day that I still watch that have moved on to bigger things, you know, college picker, bona fide hustler. Like those guys still have uh, great content that they're putting out when they put stuff out. Uh, but yeah, like Wayne, if, if you follow his Instagram, I, I follow it because there's always uh good stuff. And I'm like, huh? All right. I, I need to keep an eye out for that. So yeah. uh, that's his hustle of the week or whatever. That's my promo for him. All right. Just, just wanted to share, man. I, I I I love people that are real to resellers. Right. Our next one is Troy, another good friend of the podcast. Uh, lots of communication and uh, with Troy, and what a good guy. So it's at Mountain Man Treasure. Uh, so Troy went to a church sale and picked up a Tom Clark gnomes. Yeah, four of them. Like, is that should that be a G gnomes? Is that kind of gnomes? Or yeah, no, yeah, it should oh, be. Okay, yeah, okay. Gnomes. So I <laughs> love gnomes. Gnomes are great. What? <laughs> yeah, like I have a like I have a thing for like small like miniatures, like little things are cool. Um and gnomes, I mean, if I ever had like a big yard, I would have I'd have a gnome garden, I think. Okay. They're 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 just cool. And are you saying I need some gnomes? Dude, let's get you some gnomes, man. <laughs> All right. Um, so anyways, uh picked up some four Tom Clark gnomes for twenty dollars at a, a church sale. Uh, most are only worth 20 to 30, $30, but one of them was a very early and rare 
So we listed it high and it took about four to five months to sell. So sometimes even if you've got good, good product, you got to find that right buyer. Uh, took an offer and sold a Tom Clark Gnome Ivy, uh, no edition number, and it was signed for $1,200 plus shipping. Holy smokes. So you picked up four, you paid 20 bucks. That's about $5 a piece. So from $5 to $1,200, man, I was thinking gnomes would just be cool to have, but I'm going to be on the lookout for gnomes now. And, and again, I think this is, he has, when I was DMing him, it's not like every single one of them is worth money, right? It's like no, you got to find one the right one. Yeah. It's like when we had a thrift to travel and she found that one Ray Dunn like measuring cup that mm. went for like $3,000. Like, but you never know. That's why we love what we do. You just never know. All right. What's your, what's your hustle? Uh, so my hustle of the week is, um, I was at a, I went to Colorado to visit my mom and she lives in kind of a small town, uh, outside of a bigger city in Colorado. And so we went to, it was actually the store that should not be named. Uh, but the prices there were a little bit better and they had a lot of sales like our, ours, ours in this area, they, they don't do sales at all like basically no. no sales there's no no tags no discounts no but this one actually had like discounts and tags and colors and all those things which is exciting to see um and i picked up a uh, it is a it's a men's sweater it's kind of cool like a patchwork looking sweater uh and it's a daniel and i'm gonna butcher this cremao cremo i don't know it's a french name uh but it was a brown patch work sweater and i i probably paid like two dollars for it and it sold with shipping for about $50. And it's just one of those things where you can be on vacation. You could be visiting somebody. And if you're ever in a new place, stop in at a thrift store. Just look around. Spend a couple minutes. It doesn't hurt. I mean, it's like no difference. People people stop places and they go into a gas station and get a, a Red Bull. You know, while you're driving through a town you haven't been in, stop in a, at a Goodwill or stop at a Salvation Army, a little local thrift store. Spend five minutes walking around and you never know, like it could pay for a good portion of your trip. So uh, that that's just, the reason it's a hustle of the week is it's we didn't go on this trip specifically to source. Like we have gone, we've driven to Colorado and into Texas pulling a trailer and the intent was like, let's fill this thing up on our trip. This was not that trip. This was just, hey, we're here, we're visiting, let's go in. And it's a hustle because even when you're taking some time off, you can still make some money and make the trip worthwhile. And the other cool thing, tax-wise, if you do a couple trips like that, and all of a sudden, you know, you actually pick up some inventory, it potentially can become part of the trip. At least, can become a tax write-off. So, obviously, tax talk to your tax people. Um, there's you know restrictions and all that stuff. But I mean, if you're somewhere, you might as well drive a few miles, check out some some stuff, and not only can you make some profit, make the trip pay for itself, but you can also write some uh, some of that off on your taxes. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I. I love when sourcing on a trip pays for the whole trip. It's so nice. All right. So my question is, how long would you wait to make money on an item? Like how long are you willing to let it sit in your store? I mean, it just depends on on the item, how much money we're talking about. And am I getting offers? Right? Let's say you bought something for $5. Have I gotten any offers on it? Uh, you got like a couple like low ball offers, but you would have made like a hundred bucks on it. It would so a lot of that's going to depend on uh, are there comps or do I think it would go for more? Like if I no think comps. it'll if I think it'll sell for five hundred, if I think it'll sell for you know however much, I'm probably not going to take a lowball offer if I'm confident. But if it's you know if I just pick up something for five bucks and I can make a hundred bucks on it, and I think that's the value, I'll take it. Obviously. Okay. How long did you wait? More Three years. All right. All right. So I went. This is at a thrift store, and I picked up a, a jacket for four dollars and ninety nine cents. Now, this jacket was a vintage 90s uh, brand was Jammin, and it was embroidered in the back. It was 1997 Masters Tournament. Okay. And uh, if you go to our I IG, actually, uh, today I'm going to share it on, on our Instagram stories. Uh, and so 1997 is, is a big year in golf, especially at the Masters, because it's Tiger Woods' first major tournament that he won. Right. And so, you know, it, it it's... It's a huge accomplishment on many levels, right? But the fact that it's tied into Tiger Woods, you know, the fact that it was a vintage jacket. So I priced it high. I priced it at over $1,000. Was it actually Tiger Woods jacket? No. 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 It was just, it was a jacket at that time. Cool. But it looked cool. It looked cool. So check out our IG so you can take a look at it. And, uh, you know, I posted on Instagram when I first found it and I got a lot of offers. I had, you know, some people offer me $60, some people offer me 80. I think at one point somebody offered me me 200 and I'm like, no, it, 
I didn't have any comps to go on, but I'm like, I know it's worth more. I mean, this is the first year Tiger Woods, it's 90s, it's embroidered. And master stuff, by the way, goes for a lot of money anyways, because you can only get it there. You, It's not like it's it's mass produced. I mean, it is mass produced, but it, there's only you can only get it at the shop there, right? And I don't know if this was from the shop. I, I actually don't know because the brand was jamming. So it was it was a 90s brand. Anyways, the other day, you know, when you when something comes up on your phone and you're like, you have to look at it twice. You're like, what? Like, what is this? So paid four ninety nine for the jacket and it sold for eight hundred dollars. Nice. Have you got a return on it yet? No. That's always what I worry about with the big thing like that is like, yes, and you gotta be careful not to uh you know, not to count your chickens before the eggs hatch or whatever the saying is. But no, no, it's been a little bit. No. Nice. No. Nice. So yeah, and again, I held on. And again, it was it was it didn't take much to store, right? It was a super light jacket. So yeah, keep an eye, check out our Instagram so you can take a look at the jacket. Uh you just never know. Never know. Never know. All right. Hey, before we get moving, uh, you know, the other day I went traveling and um, I left behind my school shaver. Ooh, ouch. And so I ended up having to shave my head with a razor. Oh, is that why it's all cut up? Um, Just kidding. No, it's not cut up. But here's what here's the thing. There's a question I get a lot. The question I get a lot with the school shaver is like, Orlando, does it really shave that close? And, you know, I shaved the razor, which was pretty close. And then when I got back home, I had my school shaver and I shaved my school shaver. I'm like, wow. Like, yeah, it reminded me again of how close a shave is with the school shaver. It's almost I mean, it literally you can't tell the difference. Right. And so, again, uh, if you don't know, school shaver is, is a handheld, uh, you know, electric shaver. And it's an awesome product. Uh, if you use our promo code PHP. Uh, you can go uh, to the link below. You can get that deal or you can just go to SchoolShaver.com and use our promo code PHP and get that deal. Yeah. And then honestly, I mean, if my hair grows really, really fast, uh, I, I'm, I'm balding too much on top to uh, to let my hair grow out. But uh, your my hair grows really fast. If your hair is like mine, the difference between a razor and the school shaver, at least for someone like me, is maybe the difference of like an hour. You know what I mean? Like if I were to use a razor, mm. like maybe in an hour, it'll be at like what a skull shaver would be at. Okay. okay. Which the reality saying. is the, wow. the convenience, I, I could see that. the convenience of the skull shaver is if I really wanted it like that close, like I've got a job interview and I want my head to look like I literally shaved right before I walked in. Uh, I could shave my head in the morning with a razor and then drive there, or I could use the skull shaver on my way there and it's going to be better you know so the skull shaver is way more convenient uh we love it so yeah use our promo code php let them know that we sent you over there you'll get a nice little discount and and you'll look great just like us bald is beautiful it is it really is yes it is it is it's great (laughs) if you've been struggling with that if you think that you know that 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 you're hanging on i know people who are hanging on don't hang on just go bald it's great all right. All right. Uh, so let's talk about our last one. I think we're going to stay here for a little while because this is the one, if you've been listening this long to the podcast, this is where the good stuff is. Uh, because I, I do believe this is where you can get some major hauls. And here, here's the thing. I'm willing to pay for a major haul because it will save me a ton of time. Right. So the other day I, you know, I bought 40, no, I bought 53 Hawaiian shirts for like 120 bucks. Okay, so if you do the math, that's like two something a shirt. Major deal, right? And, you know, had they said $5 a shirt, I would have gone for $5 a shirt. Why? Because of time, right? And to get that many Hawaiian shirts that are profitable would have taken me, you know, a ton of driving thrift or a thrift or garage sales. You know, it would have taken me a lot of time. But the fact that I was able to pick it up all at one time, right, was definitely worth it to me. So let's talk about some local deals. Now, I haven't done this one as much. So we're starting with the ones that, you know, we, we use every once in a while, but we need to more and it's local auctions, mm-hmm. right? I've done local auctions. I just, I've had so many good deals outside of local auctions. I usually go to local auctions when it's like super dry. Right. And, and here's, here's the deal with local auctions. So I'm always a fan of going to live ones. If you can go to a live one, you can get a better deal. Unfortunately here in San Diego, there's not very many, uh, most of them are online. Yeah, and the competition is obviously more fierce online because it the the barrier to entry is lower. Yeah, I mean, and everybody can research what's yep. on there, and so on. So ag- agreed with that, right? But here's the thing: <clears throat> what I'll say is, don't dismiss auctions that are out outside of your niche. 
Okay. So before I get that though, in case you're wondering how do I find auctions, you can go to auction zip and you can, you know, put in your address and I'll find the local ones. Uh, there are some national ones like, you know, some put by uh, law enforcement agencies, uh, the U.S. Marshals and so on. Uh, and there's local police department ones. Uh, there's companies, there's estate sales that do auctions. I mean, you can, you can find them. If you're looking for them, you can find them. Now, what I mean by don't dismiss outside of your niche. So, for example, there might be one that says like uh, restaurant clothing and clothing, <laughs> restaurant closing, uh, you know, and it's all it's all like restaurant equipment. And so you're like, oh, I'm not going to look at that auction. I encourage you to go through there. Couple of reasons. One, you learn, right? You learn what's valuable, what's not if you're researching. But sometimes there's like random stuff, right? So there might be like some camcorders in there. What if for a reason they use camcorders in their business? Or there might be uh, a TVs or you know, there's one where it was like a school was closing, and there's a lot of stuff that I would have picked up normally. You know, when a school closes, like if you don't know, I mean. Schools used like DVD, VCR combos, right? DVD recorders. Like you would think, oh, I don't know anything about schools. But if you go there, like the, one of my biggest hauls when I first started going to full-time reselling was a school that was shutting down. And I bought, I want to say about 30 uh, DVD, VCR combos for like five bucks a piece. Right. And, and I just, I knew that because I'm an educator. So I knew that that stuff was going to go on auction. Right. But for example, uh, one time there was, uh, I think it was like a, a shirt embroidery company or something like that was, was going out of business and, and I'm going through and they had like video games that they were selling hmm. and I'm not sure why, maybe it was like in the waiting room. I, I don't know why they had that. So there was, there was a Nintendo console and some video games. So you just never know what you'll find. So it doesn't hurt to just peruse a friend of mine the other day texted me and it's like, here, Orlando, I found a couple of North Face jackets, uh, vintage ones, uh, the brown label ones, and I got them for $7 a piece. So you might think, you know, I agree with Mike, there's a lot of competition, but maybe you might pick some stuff up that people aren't thinking of of buying, right? Sometimes the people that do auctions, they're just looking for those big purchases, right? And they're like clothing, right? Clothing is the thing that everybody ignores that is state sales. As, as, that's my experience. And if you go into those closets, there's some good stuff in there sometimes. So uh, definitely check out auctions. I, you know, I'd love to do YouTube where me and you go to a live auction if we could find if one. If we can find one, yeah. I mean, that would it'd be so much fun. It would be. It would be. So, all right. Now, this is the one where, you know, I think we get most of our stuff local platform yeah we get a lot of things through this and I've, I've done really well locally i've used i've used all of them i've used offer up i've used craigslist i've used facebook marketplace i used let go and let go was still a thing before it became offer up also which didn't um, make sense why there was two of them i mean but there does i mean there there was what uber and lyft right like so competition's right, a good right, thing there's right. there's always going to be multiples right there's instagram and facebook and same company but like oh, yeah. that is true that so is there's true. there's there's differences there's similarities but um, you know, I've, I've picked up a lot of things and I've sold a lot of things. So one of the nice things about, uh, selling locally is you're not dealing with the fees. One of the nice things about buying locally is because it's reaching such a smaller market. You know, what I'll do is I'll do pickup only. I don't, I, I usually don't look at stuff that's listed for shipping too, or it's listed for shipping, but also local pickup. So I want it to be within driving range of me. Um, and one of the things that does is sometimes people list things at eBay prices mm -hmm. and I'll let it sit. I'm like, okay, like, you know, they're trying to sell this book set for a hundred dollars and yeah, it would go for a hundred dollars on eBay, but it's a lot of work to sell that on eBay and they're reaching a very small market, right? Only the people in this area are, are willing to buy it. So after six months of it sitting there and then lowering the price from a hundred to 80 to 70, then when I come in with my $40, you know, offer and I can Patience. sell it for, you know, 120 on, on eBay, then it's, then it's the win for me. Right. So there's that aspect because they're reaching a smaller market. You really can find the niches. There's a couple that I I'm able to pick up pretty regularly on offer up that I'm just surprised. Like these things sell really well on eBay. There's a huge market for them, but there just must not be very many resellers in our area that are looking for these things. Mm -hmm. Other things, it's a saturated market. So just like anything else, uh, you got to spend the time. And one of the the tools or one of the tricks I would say, if you're doing Craigslist, OfferUp, Facebook Marketplace, any of those, is look at what you've already sold on eBay. Look at what's mm -hmm. so like, oh, that was a good sell. Literally save that as a as a search result, 
right? Like whatever video game console or whatever, you know, special thing that you sold a VCR combo, DVD combo, put in that brand or look up that thing and use that as what, what do I look up on OfferUp? I don't know. What, what have you sold this month? Look up those things and know like, Hey, I know I can sell these for $40 on the regular and here's somebody who's got three of them. Uh, let's see if I can pick up all three of them for 10 bucks, you know? So Mm -hmm. you can definitely do good. Now there is the issue of sometimes you gotta be fast. Uh, you have to deal with, can you get to them? Are you spending a lot of time driving? Uh, there's the negotiating back and forth, but a lot of our really good ones. And the other cool thing, you can't really do it on offer up as well, or, or even Facebook marketplace, but on Craigslist, you can even put on ads. So if there's a certain niche that you're into, you can kind of corner that market and just be putting up ads saying, Hey, I'll buy this thing from you. Cause some people have a bunch of it and they don't want to deal with listing, mm-hmm. you know, 30, whatever collectible pieces and wait for 30 different people to buy one-offs and then meeting somebody will just buy them all at once. You know, it's the same thing with like people will do that. They'll, they'll go to, you know, a pawn shop or they'll, they'll, they'll try and just offload everything at one time rather than try and sell it all individually. So you can, you can do really well with that. And then you can also, one of the things, tips that we like to do with local deals like that is look up what else that person is selling. Cause if you're also going to be driving to their house, you might as well buy out other things they're buying. You could say, Oh, I also see you have this and this. What if I did all three of these things together? And then when you get there, and sometimes it, it's worth waiting till you get there to ask that, is say, do you have anything else you're wanting to sell? And like, these are categories I'm obviously picking up. And you'd be surprised. I've had people say, yeah, hold on. And they go into their room and they start pulling out different stuff. You want to buy this? You want to buy that? Yeah. And you can end up really bundling and getting a good deal. Yeah. And to reinforce what Mike says about being fast. So quick story. The other day, somebody was selling two pairs of Harley boots and a pair of Doc Martens. And they're selling the Doc Martens. These were like $100 Doc Martens for 20 bucks. And I was at lunch with my, with my kids and I kind of, you know, it was kind of one of those, like if I was able to snag all three, I would have gone after lunch and picked it up, Mm. but it had to be a deal. So I offered, you know, $15 for the docs instead of 20 and sure enough, you know, they sold before, you know, she replied to me and said, Hey, I'll take the deal. And why? Because somebody offered full price, right? So sometimes you just got, if there's a deal, just offer the full price. Cause I'm sure every, you know, I, I posted this on Instagram. Everybody was commenting, like, I'm sure there's a ton of other people that were thinking the same thing you were. And they just offered full price. And I agree. That's what happens, right? You got to be quick about it, right? You got to be able to say, Hey, you know, I'll do a full price and I can be there, you know, in the next, you know, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 minutes, whatever time it takes. Right. Or you can play the patience game. Like right now I have three items. I'm probably going to pick up uh, today. Uh, that I've been, you know, just waiting to see and no one's moved on them. I'm going to offer them and I'm just going to pick them up today. And so sometimes patience uh, pays on those kind of items. So yeah, you got to be quick or you got to be patient. You just got to figure out which one works best for you. All right. And the last one here, uh, I think is the best way to source this to network deals. Now there's various ways to do this, uh, locally to me, business cards has been the easiest one. And I've, I don't know how much I say this, but you know, back in the day, I was scared to say I was a reseller, right? It, it really was one of those things I didn't want to share with people. But I find that once you say you're a reseller, you will get a better deal. So case in point, uh, the other day, uh, there's a bunch of Hawaiian shirts. I was gonna, <laughs> more Hawaiian shirts. The bunch of Hawaiian shirts I was going to pick up. And uh, they, you know, they said their their bottom number was uh, 275. And so I offered 180 and they're like, no, nah, we can't do 180, uh, you know. Yeah, we can only do 200. And then they changed their mind. They're like, actually, no, we, we got to stick to 275. And I said, hey, listen, I'm a reseller. I need to make profit. My ceiling is 200. And they responded like, you know what? We respect small businesses. We want to, you know, we want to give you this deal. And they gave it to me because I mentioned I was a reseller and I needed to make profit. Think about that. I mean, that you to a person that has just started reselling or hasn't been reselling ever, like you think you would think that would work against you that people are like, oh, this person really wants us to resell. I'm going to sell it for more. That's not how it works. People will know that you need to make profit. So usually I would say 99.99% of the time they're willing to make a deal. Now, every person that I make a big purchase on, whether it be at a garage sale, whether it be a local deal, I always leave my business card. Now, have you gotten callbacks on your business cards before? I have gotten callbacks uh, on my business cards also, even on local deals like OfferUp, I've had people because I, you know, will buy quite a few things from them and say like, yeah, if you ever get more of these things, let me know. And just 
yesterday, wasn't yesterday, it was the day before yesterday, I had someone reach out to me like, hey, Mike, I have some more of these things. And then if you're interested, so you can definitely make those connections with people. So it doesn't even hurt on something like like offer up if you're like, you know, I don't know if I want to do business cards yet, which we think are, are, are a great deal and you should definitely get them is if you're going to someone's house, you're buying a lot of stuff from them on offer up or Craigslist, be willing to say like, hey, if you ever have more stuff you want to sell, feel free to reach out. Here's my number or you can contact me again on offer up and I'll get back to you. Right. Because then people know they already have a buyer that they can trust is going to be there, is going to pay them because that's one of the things people don't like to deal with, too, is the flakes and all that. I mean, it's the mm-hmm. same thing. Like we want return buyers. Yeah. You know, we want people because that's, it's a great deal. We've developed a relationship. And so the same is true with other people. They, they would like to know like, Hey, if I get these things or if I have more, I want to sell, I know that I've got somebody reliable who will come and get them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. agreed. And you know, you've seen the YouTube, if you haven't yet, I had a huge hot wheels haul, but that's just one of many. I mean, I've had, multiple Harley Davidson halls. I've had multiple Hawaiian shirt halls. I've had train halls. I've had department 56 halls. I mean, I've had all kinds of halls and my biggest ROI has been on those deals that I networked because you go in and you're buying out an entire collection. They know you're a reseller. You've already established that relationship. You know, you're good for the money and they're willing to make that deal. So if you're in need of reselling, it does take some time right now. I do have, you know, I have people, other resellers actually that bring up my name when they go to estate sales and I'll bring up their name. If there's something that, you know, that they're, they have a niche in and I'll, I'll, I'll share it that way. That's one way to network too. Don't be scared to network with other resellers because uh, sometimes there's resellers that, you know, they may get a, they, for example, they might do an estate buyout and they're, they're only interested in all the, like, the industrial equipment right? Or the commercial equipment or the appliances. And they don't really deal with clothing or the deal with shoes. Well, those individuals, they contact me. They're like, Hey, Orlando, I really don't care. There's a closet full of stuff. You want to come check it out? And I'll go over there and I'll check it out and we'll make a deal. Why? Because what are their options? Their options are they either listed themselves, which they don't care to do, right? They have to transport it and either, you know, take it to donation, you know, figure out what to do with it. Or they just call me and they'll get some kind of profit. And usually my my biggest big deals with the state companies is I'm not the last guy. I'm the guy before the last guy. So it's interesting with the state sale. So there's a state sale company that comes in and sells all the goods. And then the state sale company, usually there's like the last guy that buys everything for, you know, pennies on the dollar. I try to go between the two and I'm like, hey, listen, I know you're going to sell everything out to someone else. I can give you a little bit more. Like, can I just buy some of the stuff? And I leave my card. And usually this is like on a Saturday and the state sale leaves on Sunday. And sometimes I'll get a call in like in the afternoon on a Sunday or I'll get it on a Monday. They actually had to put everything back into their vehicle. And they're like, hey, Orlando, uh, you know, actually we have some of the, uh, there's some of the stuff here. Uh, you know, I'm going to go to my last buyer, but I know you, you'll give me a little more and I'm willing to make the deal and I'm able to, to make nice profits still. So I'm not paying the top estate sale profit. I'm not, you know, the last buyer. And so obviously they get those buyers, by the way, you got to be careful. If you're those buyers, you're buying everything. You're buying all the junk. You're buying, you know, the stuff that you're going to have to trash. Like they'll sell everything to you. But if you're the middle guy, like you're able to, you know, be more selective on what you buy. Yeah. I still plan at some point I'm going to do just as a test to see how it works. I'm going to, on a day when I go to garage sales, I'm going to leave my car to every garage sale and say, hey, like first, I mean, usually you can ask them at garage sales, like, hey, what are you mm-hmm. planning on doing this stuff at the end if it doesn't sell? When you hear things like, oh, it's going to just go to Goodwill or whatever. Those are good words to hear. I want yeah, to yeah. do something like, hey, here's my card. I'll I'll give you, you know, I'll, we'll, let's make a deal on everything. And I want to try and see if I can buy an entire leftover garage sale for really low. Like I'm talking like 50 bucks, 100 bucks. I don't yeah, know, something yeah. for fill up a trailer full of whatever they have left over. And then the next weekend, take it to a swap meet and oh, see what I can cool. sell for. You know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe even do it as a video and just see like, can I can I get the clear out junk leftovers? And then how much money can I make on that at a, at a swap meet? Obviously, the stuff that's most valuable will go on eBay. But if it's just shirts and shoes and random tools and whatever, that kind of stuff, furniture, that stuff will just go to a swap meet. And then whatever doesn't sell just goes to the trash, you know, yeah. and just see if I can make profit doing that uh, because, you know, I feel like there are people who do that with the estate sale cleanouts. They come with big trucks. 
They, they just have stuff out in boxes and then whatever doesn't sell just goes to the trash. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like basically their leftovers of the estate sale. So uh, I want to try it sometime. Let us know in the comments below. Have you ever done anything like that? What are, what are your little tricks of the trade? Uh, because uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to get in on that action. There you go. So you want to be successful sourcing 2022. There's various avenues. We've only, you know, I don't even think we've gotten into like half of the iceberg. I mean, we covered a lot, but there's so many options. There's plenty of opportunity out there. I just got to have that abundancy, uh, you know, that mindset that there's an abundance of items out there, which there is, there really is. It's just finding those things that people are willing to buy, but there's plenty of money to be made. With that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant and be reselling. Peace. Peace.